Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Daikin. Hey, Texans fans, get a home field advantage this summer with Daikin Air Intelligence Tips you can use to beat the heat in your home. Learn how to lower your energy costs, reclaim your outdoor space, and breathe easier by improving your indoor air quality. It's all part of Daikin's Air Intelligence, and you can learn all about it by visiting daikinloveshouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Daikin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer today. Now back to the show. Here's the snap. Looking. Flips the ball. Diving for the pylon. And he's got it. Razzle dazzle. Touchdown, Houston. And the Texans go in front. Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out. The Texans say they have it, and they do. Now, it's Texans All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to a TGIF edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, and so glad to be with you on this wonderful Friday night. I hope where you are, it is blue skies. Sun is uh, going down at about this time. But it's been really nice and hot. It does not feel like October 23rd. That's for sure. And oh, by the way, we are two days away from National Tight Ends Day. Might be a tight end or two not playing in this game on Sunday. <laughs> we'll have to get to that in a little bit, but we are jam-packed on the show in our next segment. T.A., as he is known by his teammates and coaches, Terrell Adams for our deep slant one-on-one of the week. Can't wait to hear from Terrell Adams. We had a blast when Mark and I interviewed him. Uh, I think it was the offseason of last year. He has stepped into that starting linebacker role. He's done a really nice job next to Zach Cunningham, so we'll talk to Terrell Adams in our next segment with our Deep Slant interview of the week brought to you by Xfinity. Then, our keys to the game. What are the keys to a win over the Green Bay Packers? I've got to do my predictions for each and every game this weekend in the NFL. With, of course, this caveat. I don't know if they'll all be played. And I think you know why. I'm not totally sure if we're going to see them all played. The Raiders game got moved to Sunday afternoon. There's been talk of that game moving. We don't know that to be fact right now. But we are just, we're going to roll with it and see what happens. That's all you can do. I'm going to predict them. I'm going to predict them. I just don't know if we'll be able to see them. But that's... That's okay. We'll at least predict it and get it on record, and you'll just see that I uh, was right about my predictions. How about that? Does that sound fair? All right, cool. So we're going to do that. Um, And then we're going to close the show with Drew's final word. And this week, a guy that I think has played, I don't want to say much better, but I think it's just that he's gotten healthier. And that has helped him to play smoother, more like himself, I think he would tell you, and that's Titus Howard. So we've got plenty on this jam-packed Friday night edition of Texans All Access. 
and we will kick it off with our hot reads, and they're brought to you by Geico. And there's great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And each and every Friday, our first hot read right out of the chute is a discussion with Mark Vandermeer and interim head coach Romeo Crennel. Mark, take it away. Well, Coach, Aaron Rodgers, you've been around a lot of quarterbacks in your day, faced a lot of really good ones. And I'm not asking you to rank where he is, but can you discuss some of the things he does well that you guys have to really be concerned with and take care of? Well, you know that uh, Aaron is a veteran. He's smart. Uh, he's seen everything. Um, he throws the deep ball very well. He's accurate with his throws. He will take the underneath throw. Uh, so he takes what the defense gives him, and then when he's ready to take his shot, he takes his shot, and so that's why they're able to score points because he can hit those deep balls a lot of times, and so you have to do a good job of defending the deep ball and then be willing to understand that if he throws it short, then your guys have to rally to the, to the throw and make the tackle, and it doesn't become a catch-and-run situation. Well, we haven't seen them in four years since 2016 up there, Coach. And how are they different in the way they like to run the ball now with Matt LaFleur as the head coach? Well, yeah, Matt has a little bit different uh, offensive philosophy. And, uh, you know, they have multiple personnels. they got the stable of running backs that they use. But all their runners are hard, physical runners. They run really hard. Um, and then the line, because the runners run so hard, the line – they make sure that they get on people and get push at the line of scrimmage, which then helps the runners and the running game. What about defensively up front, Coach? I know you want to run the football better. That's no secret. So how is it going to be against this particular front with the Packers? Well, I think a lot goes on with our angles, uh, how we come off the ball, um, combination blocks, and everybody being on the same page and taking a right angle, uh, kicking guys out, uh, blocking down on guys to create seams. And so uh, hopefully we will be able to get that done and, and gain some yards on the ground. Well, a lot of success last week with the passing game, but I know every week is a little bit different here. But are you seeing the maturation in this passing attack and the chemistry really starting to build right now as the weeks progress with the new guys with Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks and everybody else working together? Yeah, I think it's beginning to happen, you know, because with with new people, you have to get used to each other. You have to get to the point where you can trust each other. And I think that both the receivers and the quarterback, they are getting to that stage where they depend on each other, they trust each other, and as a result, we have some production in the passing game. With the kicking game, Coach, how do you determine whether you want to kick it to the goal line or shorter to tempt the return or not? Are those a, a game dictate situation? Is it a field thing? How do you go about that? Well, there are several factors that could go into that, you know, whether you're playing indoors or playing outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, who their returner is, what your coverage team can do. You know, all of those things go into whether you want to kick to a guy or whether you want to uh, kick a touchback. And so each team is different, and you evaluate the team and then determine how you want to approach the game. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck against Green Bay. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, there he is, Romeo Crennel, your interim head coach of the Houston Texans. Good discussion there. I always like when Rack is on because he, he'll he give you it straight up. 
He doesn't fluff it. He just tells you exactly how it is. And I love hearing from Rack on each and every Friday. All right, let's get to our next hot read. And this one's going to take a little while. And that is the status report each and every Friday. Well, actually, each and every day, we get the injury report. Here's who practiced. Here's who was limited in practice. Here's who did not practice. Actually, they don't tell you practice. You can kind of figure that out. Process elimination. But they always give you full participation, limited participation, and did not participate at all. Now, the Texans seemingly about as healthy as I guess they could be at this time of year. They've got two players that are questionable, and I don't think either one is a surprise. Jordan Aikens, questionable. He's been dealing with that ankle slash concussion. They put both. I don't know which is which. He has been at least going through the activation part, but he has been a DNP for the rest of practice. Peter Kalambay is the other that is questionable. He's been dealing with a hamstring that popped up a couple weeks ago, um, and so he is questionable. My gut tells me they'll both be out for the Texans. However, full participants, Dylan Cole, Keon Crossing, Crossing, Buddy Howell, Sneo Calamete, Justin Reed, Laramie Tunsil. In, 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 all in. Nobody ruled out from that full participation group. Now, I said this was going to take a while, and that's pretty much all I've got to say about the Houston Texans side of things. Let's look at the Green Bay Packers side of things. This could be interesting. Did not participate in practice on Friday. Montrevious Adams, Tyler Lancaster, starting safety Darnell Savage, running back, tell me if you've heard this before, Tyler Irvin, left tackle pro bowler David Bakhtiari, pro bowl running back Aaron Jones, and elite cornerback, at least he was labeled elite before he got injured, Kevin King. Limited participation, Chris Barnes, Rashawn Gary, Mercedes Lewis, Preston Smith, Darius Smith, Equinemius, St. Brown, Robert Tunyon. Full participation, J.R. Alexander, Corey Lindsley. Now, of those that did not participate, you got a couple that are out. Tyler Irvin. I'm not going to say any more. I like Tyler. Tyler's a really good dude. I hate that he's missing so many NFL games in his career. Tyler Lancaster, defensive lineman, out. Irvin out, Lancaster out. Now, there are actually three doubtful players on this status report. David Bakhtiari is one. Kevin King is the other. Or a second one, sorry. Darnell Savage is a third. That's three key starters, two of them in the secondary alone. That are doubtful. Now, I know you're thinking, well, doubtful, the so means they can play. In the seven years that I've been doing this, I have never seen a doubtful turn into a inactive, inactive player. I've never seen that. Now, it could change. All three of them, you know, the definition of doubtful might be different from out of the floor than it is for everybody else. But as I've been reading about the Packers this week, I thought there might be a chance for one of them to play. I thought Bakhtiari would play. Savage and King, I was like, ah, maybe. Those three are doubtful. 
I would not be surprised if we found out on Saturday morning that those three are out. Starting left tackle, starting safety, starting future Pro Bowl corner. David Bakhtiari, Kevin King, the corner, and Darnell Savage, the safety. They are listed as all doubtful. Aaron Jones popped up on the uh, injury report running back on Friday. I don't believe he was on it. Yeah, he was not on the injury report prior to Friday. And he popped up with a tweak in his calf. Now, those calf things, I've had one of those a long time ago. And it's one of those things where you can tweak it 24 hours later, you can feel like you didn't do anything to it. It'd be one of those things where you tweaked it and it just gets worse and worse. He's listed as questionable. Aaron Jones, starting running back for the Green Bay Packers. So, you've got two other questionables as well. I'm sorry, one in the dead, did not participate today, Montrevious Adams, defensive lineman with dealing with a foot. Other questionables, Preston Smith, edge rusher, questionable. Robert Tunyon, tight end, who has become a go-to guy for Aaron Rodgers, questionable. And Corey Lindsley, center, was back at practice in a full participation mode. He's questionable. I'd imagine Lindsley's going to play. I'm assuming Tunyon will do whatever possible to get back on the field and stay on the field. And Preston Smith, edge rusher, I'd imagine they want him on the field to go against uh, Larry Tunstall, Titus Howard, and his Texans offense. However, that group of Irvin, Lancaster, out. Even though those two, those two guys don't start, they're vital on both sides of the ball. The doubtfuls are the ones that catch your eye. David Bakhtiari, Kevin King, Darnell Savage, three starters. And then questionable, Aaron Jones with that calf, Montrevious Adams, defense alignment on the inside. Now, that is a massive list when you compare it to the Texans being relatively healthy. The Packers are not. However, one name I don't see on that list, actually two names I don't see on that list, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. The Packers will show up. There's no doubt. But it is interesting to note where the Texans are health-wise and where the Packers are health-wise. It's probably an advantage for the Texans from that perspective heading into this one. And we'll see what it means for the Packers offense with no Bakhtiari and potentially no Aaron Jones. Now, with the running back situation, the Packers can just fire with Jamal Williams and with A.J. Dillon. And I don't think there'll be a significant drop-off because it'll just be different. It'd be like you were driving in a Lamborghini and now you're driving in a big F-150. That's the difference. They both can go 100 miles an hour. They're just doing it a little bit differently. It's Bakhtiari that's the, the big one. Yosoi Nijman, who played at Virginia Tech, he could have to jump in at tackle. They could move some things around um, and move Billy Turner if they needed to. I, they, they have some things they could do. But not having David Bakhtiari is going to be big. Because whoever lines up over there will see a lot of number 99, J.J. Watt, in this one. There's no question about that. Okay, that and those are your hot reads brought to you by Geico. There's great news. You can save some money all by just calling geico.com. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. All right, when we come back, injuries hit the Texans a couple weeks ago. That was Bernard McKinney. He is out for the year. The guy that stepped in for him is Terrell Adams, known by his teammates as T.A. He's been very good the last two weeks. He's very good on the mic. 
And he sat down with our own DP Sidhu for our Deep Slant interview of the week brought to you by Xfinity. And that's next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points, Saturday nights at 1030 or after the late local news on ABC 13. The Houston Texans, Whataburger, and the Houston Food Bank are teaming up to help them take on their biggest opponent ever, Houston Area Hunger. Just donate a dollar the next time you're in an area Whataburger, and that dollar will go to help the Houston Food Bank feed 800,000 of our community neighbors each year. And you'll even get a coupon for a free Whataburger with the purchase of a 32-ounce drink and a medium fry for every buck that you give. So from now until October 26th, give a buck and be a part of the team that's wiping out hunger in Houston. Great stuff there with the Houston Texans, the Houston Food Bank, and our friends at Whataburger. Okay, it's time for our Deep Slant interview of the week, brought to you by Xfinity. And this week, it's one of the more interesting players on this team, a guy that's had a bumpy road, if you will, to get to where he is today. The man's wanted to start whenever he could get the opportunity. Terrell Adams has started the last couple weeks, and it's a linebacker next to Zach Cuttingham. He has a big test on Sunday. But man, is he good on a microphone. I'm glad he's playing football, not coming after my job. He is very good. And Deepy had a chance to sit down with number 50. Tyrell, I'm sure it's been a crazy, it's a cra- been a crazy season, but what yeah. have the last few weeks in particular been like for you? Um, they've, been, uh, they've been up and down. Again, you know, we uh, won and we lost. Lost a real close one. It's been up and down, a lot of emotions into it, but um, it's been fun, kind of the journey, kind of just uh, trying to um, prove myself out there on the field to the guys, to the coaches, be a good teammate to those guys around me, just kind of keeping the spirits up and everything. But it's been, it's been, it's been cool. It's been a lot of emotions for sure, but it's been cool. All right. Well, a lot of people outside of the organization were surprised at what you were able to do. Your teammates not. They've seen you around the building. They know what you've done at practice. But in your first two starts this season, you're already tied for first in the AFC and fourth in the NFL with 20 total tackles. So you kind of came out the gate hot. The first start at Jacksonville, you had the fumble recovery. You know, you led the team with tackles. What sort of set you up for success just sort of stepping in? I know Bernardrick McKinney's shoes are big ones to fill for you, but, you know, what do you attribute the fact that it was a pretty easy transition for you? I think definitely just the guys around me, those guys in that room. Yeah, Dylan Cole, Zach Cunningham, Bernard McKinney, all those guys. It's just high effort, high energy. It's like high play type of guys that's always trying to contribute. So just trying to keep up with those guys kind of influences me and encourages me to kind of be better no matter what I'm doing. When I'm thrown in there, those guys kind of, they give me uh, give me advice. They just give me uh, support as I go in there and then trying, trying to keep them keep them excited about me and keep them encouraged. So keep their hopes alive with me. They kind of, like I said, like I said, they give me encouragement. So I'm just doing it for those guys that's right up beside me and those guys just count on me. Well, you've been on the practice squad for the Texans. And when you look at your bio of the places you've been, it's like a paragraph 
of all the teams that you have spent time with over the course of your career. You're in year five, but you've played, let's say you've been with Seattle, yeah. Kansas City, the Raiders, the Bills, the Colts, Texans, 49ers, Texans again. And I'm pretty sure I left out a few like re-signing with the yeah, same team yeah, again. Yeah. So a lot of different teams that you've been with, that you've been cut from. What was sort of the momentum for you? Because I imagine that's, it's got to be tough the first, second, third, but after a number of times, did you ever sort of lose hope or what, what kept you going that, you know, you wanted to establish yourself in the NFL? I think, I think the biggest thing is it definitely can be like emotionally um, stressing for sure, but just having my family around me, my big brother, he's a big, he's a big influence in my life. He always kind of reminds me just I'm built for this kind of just, and I just look back on my life, even before NFL, kind of the things I went through in my career in football, in college and in high school, just, I've always kind of been, bouncing back and forth trying to establish myself and just kind of just waving those those obstacles obstacles and um those challenges and every time i look back on those those things i kind of remind myself that you can do this overcome anything that's kind of thrown your way so it's just constant support from my family again and just uh always remind myself you can do it again it's a blessing to kind of be in this position and i'm blessed to be where i'm at i wouldn't change the journey for nothing for sure but again my family just always in my corner uh encouraging me reminded me of just like the things I can accomplish and reminding me of the things I've accomplished so far. So that kind of keeps me encouraged to keep working and just keep striving and just let the chips fall as they may and taking the best of, uh, taking advantage of the best of my opportunities. So. Well, you went to West Georgia and you majored in accounting. Yep. Did you ever think, you know what, I might have to, if the football thing doesn't work out, I might have to go back and be an accountant or something. No, the Did you ever think what was going to happen if football didn't work out for you? I was in an interview at Northwestern Mutual <laughs> for a salesman job when I got the call from like one of the um, scouts, one of the NFL scout about, they wanted to come see me work out for a few teams. And literally as I'm walking out of the interview, cause I got the job for the, the rep job. And then as I'm walking out of, interview, out of the interview, I get a call from a random number and they're like, hey, we want you to come perform for these couple teams, blah, blah. And I'm literally like, oh my God, I might got a chance. So and they kind of was just, just kind of just rolled from there. So. I love that. So you had a job offer in hand yes. as a sales rep for Northwestern Mutual. Yep. And you get a call on the other hand that NFL teams are calling you to try out. Exactly. So how happy would you have been if like you never got the NFL call, but you had taken the job? Would, do you think you would have looked back and thought, I wish it would have gone through? Would you have not looked back? You seem like such a happy-go-lucky guy. I feel like it, maybe you would have been like- It's crazy because I love football so much. So literally in that interview- I'm like kind of like watching like because I'm inside the office. I'm watching all the people around, kind of like what they're doing. I'm seeing all these cubicles, and I'm literally slowly and steadily like accepting like, oh my gosh, it's over with. The fun life is over with. Just the uplift because I'm a, I'm a people's person. I like to be in like live environments. I'm just like that's just me. I'm a social butterfly. So it was just it wasn't socially. The sales <laughs> so, job wasn't going to be social enough for you. What were you going to do? Exactly. So I was. I was literally there and I was going through my head, like, I guess it's all over. And then I get that call and literally. And that was the begin. That was the end of the sales career for now. Exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. Maybe way, 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 way later in the future. All right. So you've had all these journeys with different teams. You actually played against the Texans before, because of course, when you play for that many teams, it's only a matter of time before yeah. you see a team that you're going to end up with. What do you remember? You, I, I want to say it was uh, 2016, the, the, the playoff game, right? Yeah, I remember. Um, 
I just remember coming here. It was my first playoff game. Again, it was my first year I actually got active to play. So it was uh, my first playoff game playing. And I was with the Raiders. We lost. But Derek Carr was out for the season that exactly, year. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And then we just got beat. I went back home. And literally a year later, I was here in Houston. <laughs> You you were you've been here a couple of times. Um, yeah. You've been here, and then you know you blocked a punt uh, in 2018. You got cut, but the Texans brought you back again last year. You were on the practice practice squad, right? And then yep. Yep. in um, you, you started the last two games of the year. Bernard McKinney was out. You had a forced fumble in that game against Tampa Bay. So what's it like when you make a big play in a game? Do you feel like okay, this is the thing that's going to help me latch onto a team because you've had big plays in the past. And, you know, for whatever reason, teams have had to part ways with you. But how do you remain hopeful that what you're doing on the field is enough to help you stay with that team? Uh, I, I, I've kind of been around it a while now. Again, going into my fifth year, I've been around a lot a while now to kind of understand the business side of it. So I kind of try not to let that um, beat me too much. I kind of stay true to once I make those plays, encouraging myself. So again, just reminding myself, you can do this, you can do this. And those just subtle reminders that you're where you're supposed to be at. So just keep working and keep chopping at the wood and eventually the tree will come down, but you got to stay persistent. So that's kind of like the thing for me is just staying persistent at it. Well, I talked to Whitney Merciless uh, recently and he said that they were also happy for you, the linebackers group. And I know that they joke around with you a lot. B-Scar TV, you, you've been on a couple yeah. of times, your name seems to come up. And I thought this guy, they're always talking about him. And I've heard from several players, you're probably one of the funniest players on the team. So tell me about uh, what, you know, maybe what fans don't really know about you, what you're like, maybe off. All right, what about me? Oh, it's so much. There's I love so much movies. to tell. Okay. I ahead. love movies. I love cartoons. I'm very, I love cartoons. SpongeBob and, and uh, the amazing world of gumball, probably my favorite two cartoon <laughs> shows right, right now. Uh, but I just like being down to earth, being goofy. I like to keep my youth about myself. I have a daughter. So we're always goofing around, yeah. making jokes. Like I just, I just really pride myself of just being down to earth and not being too uptight about things because life is stressful enough in itself. So I try to make the most and the fun of it of anything I'm I'm involved in. You seem like a fun dad because you you do have a very lighthearted. Yeah, sentence. yeah. So, but the thing about being a fun dad is it's you hard gotta, to take you serious. That's true. I was gonna say, <laughs> how do you do that? Exactly. So it's like a it's my Achilles heel, Achilles heel <laughs> in a parent. So. You're like, I haven't quite figured out how to be the strict dad, but I definitely exactly. am the fun dad. Exactly. All right. So your practice, your preparation, your camaraderie with the teammates, how much has that helped you this year in having to step up and take BMAC's place? Because being on the practice squad, I imagine you guys get a lot of work in yeah. um, as a scout team. Obviously, you've helped out on special teams uh, all this time, too. But how much has just being on the practice squad really prepared you for this moment? I just think just being around the guys for so long, we kind of built this um, in the culture here, just like hardworking guys, uh, lunch pill and hard hat type of guys around here. So being around those guys again, like Dylan Cole, the guys up front, Dunny, Carlos, those, those being around those guys, just seeing how they carry themselves. And they, they're, they're very down to earth guys, goofy as well, but they also make sure they handle their business, like taking care of their business on the field. So being around those guys is kind of like cultivating me to kind of be that same way a part of being just goofy, just make sure you're handing your business on the field so they can, can trust me when I'm out there and, and um, be be confident in who, who, who they have behind them or, or the safeties who they have in front of them. So Definitely taking notice, Tyrell Adams, number 50 out on the field. 
um, making a name for himself this year in 2020. Tyrell, best of luck for the rest of the season. And you know what? I'm really glad that you did not take that job at Northwestern. <laughs> oh, definitely. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. It's kind of amazing if you think about your life as a choose your own adventure novel. And when you think you get to that fork in the road, you're like, well, I could go this way. And then for some reason, you're like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to stick with this way and see what happens. Well, sometimes you end up as the sideline reporter of the Houston Texans. Sometimes you end up as the starting linebacker for the Houston Texans. Uh, and sometimes you may end up being a multi-billionaire um, working in biotech. That wasn't going to be me, though. That was, not, that was not part of my Choose Your Own Adventure novel. Might have been for Darrell Adams, but it wasn't for me, that's for sure. All right, when we get back, how do the Houston Texans beat the Green Bay Packers? I've got your first community credit union, first glance keys to the game next right here on Texans All Access. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points Saturday nights at 1030 or after the late local news on ABC 13. So glad you are with me on this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. I am your host, John Harris. So glad to be with you Less than 48 hours away from a noon kick against the Green Bay Packers. The Packers coming to Houston for, I believe, just the third time. I want to say 04-2012 and now 2020. That's it. The Texans have been up there, let's see, 08 and 16. Is that right? I don't know. Maybe that, that feels wrong, but it's probably right. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to double, double check my math on that. But I know those are the years that we played them and have played them. Um, and I have not been on the sidelines for a win. And the only one I was down there for was 2016. 2012, well, that was the night Aaron Rodgers went off. He did the LeBron James thing. Not one, not two, not three. He threw six touchdowns against the Texans on a Sunday night. Oh, goodness. I remember I was doing my overnight show, and I was jacked. I was so jacked. I actually had a couple of my producers who were huge Packers fans, which normally Saturdays or you know every other Sunday, they're my best pals. They were making sure the Packers win. And, hey, you see the Packers did today? That was awesome. You know, we discussed the Packers. But on that day, man, I came in wearing my Texan stuff, and I walked into the studio to do my midnight show with my tail between my legs because Aaron Rodgers just lit them up. Oh, my God. I had never seen anything like that. Um, unfortunately, I've seen a few sets then, but I've also seen Deshaun Watson give it back to the other team as well. So let's dive into the keys to the game brought to you by FCCU. First Community Credit Union is the official credit union of your Houston Texans. We're going to start with the Texans' defense against this Packers offense. So what do the Texans have to stop? Number one, Uh, let's take a look at what they've done already this year. The Packers are averaging 139.4 yards per game on the ground. That's seventh in the NFL. There was a lot of talk in the offseason when A.J. Dillon was drafted. The the Packers were going to sort of transition out of the pass-first Aaron Rodgers' first game plan into a little bit more balance. And the Packers have run the ball extremely well with that three-headed monster running back, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But they've not dropped off significantly in the passing game all that much. 257.2 yards per game. That's 14th in the NFL. You'd think with Aaron Rodgers there'd be more. But it's not like Aaron's got a plethora of weapons to throw to. That offense is pretty balanced. 
at nearly 400 yards per game, 396.6. They're averaging total offense. That's seventh in the league. So offense, top seven yardage-wise, top seven rush-wise. Passing game, eh, about average. But Aaron Rodgers is still the guy that scares you to death. Here's the other thing. Turnovers lost. They've played uh, five games. They had a bye. I think bye in week five. Two interceptions. That's it. Two interceptions. Now, the Texans were able to take advantage of a team last week that only had one going in. There had been one Ryan Tannehill interception. The Texans were able to double that amount. Turnover-wise, I mean. They had one interception. That's the Bradley Roby interception. Then they had the fumble uh, forced by J.J. Watt that was recovered by Jacob Martin. So the Titans had one all year. They had two on Sunday against the Texans. Again, the Texans should have won. I don't even want to think about that game anymore. So, put up some numbers. Nearly 400 yards a game. Not turning the ball over. Scoring the ball pretty well. Last week was a major hiccup. Was it a sign of things for the Packers only scoring 10 points? Because they scored 10, and then the Bucs went on a 38 to nothing run, scoring 28 in the second quarter, but they scored 38 unanswered on the Packers. And the Packers looked befuddled. Aaron Rodgers was getting smoked by that Bucks front. Can the Texans replicate that? Well, let's see. Let's get to the keys. Number one for this Texans defense, comfort is a killer. Now, what I mean by that is Aaron Rodgers getting comfortable in the pocket will be a 500-yard performance and five touchdowns. He will light the Texans up like an October Christmas tree. He will go crazy. What the Bucs did, even if they didn't do it, it would have been what I wanted the Texans to do, and that's not let him get comfortable. After a 10-0 lead, the Buccaneers brought blitz after blitz after blitz. And the Packers could not handle it. Rodgers was flustered. He threw a number of passes away. He threw a couple of interceptions with some pressure on his face. If you allow him to get comfortable in the pocket, he will kill you. But if you keep him on his toes and surround him and pressure him with five-man, six-man, even seven-man pressures, maybe there's a chance. Rodgers' numbers against the blitz and not against the non-blitz are like night and day different. Comfort is a killer. Do not allow Aaron Rodgers to get comfortable. Key number two, double Devontae. Now, Devontae Adams was out for a few weeks dealing with an injury. He got back for the Buccaneers game, and he did have six catches. So he, he got a you know, look at, you know, 16 games and six catches, 96 catches in a year. It wasn't like he had a horrible game. But you've got to force the other Packer wideouts to hurt you and the tight end to hurt you. That's what you've got to be able to do. Take Devon, Limit Devontae as much as possible. If I tell you that on Sunday Devontae catches first six for 61, I think I'd be okay with that. But the only way you're going to be able to do that is to double bracket bring help, I would imagine Bradley Roby is going to get that heat. That's, I would imagine that's it. Bradley Roby is going to take that heat, and then the rest of the secondary is going to give him help where they can. 
Now, Devontae's one heck of a route runner. So Bradley's always got to consider where his help is and use his leverage to move Devontae into that help at all times. If it's one-on-one, he's got to do the absolute best that he can to match and mirror without grabbing, holding, etc. That's not easy against Devontae Adams. But they can help Bradley by doubling him, bracketing him, bringing help from somewhere else on the field such that Devontae doesn't go off. Because if he doesn't go off, I don't think anybody else for the Green Bay Packers will go off either. Number three, violently eliminate running lanes. There were times against the Tennessee Titans. I know you're going to hear this and go, wait a second. Derrick Henry had 212 yards running. Yes, he got 94 of that on one play. So that means he had 118 yards and others uh, with the rest of his carries. It's not a significant amount, especially when you consider he had two other like 25 or 30-yard runs. He got the majority of his yards, a significant amount of his yards, on three carries. And on those three carries, it was clear the Texans did not eliminate the running lanes. Guys jumped into different gaps. They didn't get off blocks as well as they could have. And Derrick Henry exploited it. And that has been the issue this year. When the Texans aren't violently attacking offensive blockers, then they are not eliminating the run lanes. They're getting knocked off the spot. They're getting knocked out of control where they're not under control to make a tackle. They are not eliminating the running lanes. Now, this becomes even more important in some sense with the fact that Aaron Jones is banged up. He did not practice on Friday with that calf muscle we talked about earlier. He is questionable for this game. He had been fine, but then he didn't practice on Friday because of that calf. He can take eight inches of daylight and burst through it and turn it into a 75-yard run like he did against Detroit. The other two backs are bigger backs in Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon. They're not going to exploit it as much. However, you've got to be that much more violent in attacking those blockers such that you are hitting those two big backs with more than just one individual. Violently eliminate run lanes. Shock, hands, shed, fine ball carrier, bring him down. We'll get to that at number five in just a second. But when the Texans slowed down Derrick Henry in the zone game, they violently eliminated those running lanes. And the Texans will see a lot of the same style of running game, even if it's a different looking running back. Now, it might be two of the same running backs, or it could be Aaron Jones and those two guys. It just depends. My guess is Jones is going to try and work it through and try and make it through this game. But I think that's going to end up being pretty tough. So we'll see. Either way, whether it's Jamal Williams or whether it's Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon or John Brockington or whatever great Packer running back there was, if they don't eliminate the running lanes by playing violent at the point of attack, it won't matter. Number four, the screen game is coming. Matt LaFleur will throw screens of all kinds. He will throw wide receiver screens. He'll throw tight end screens. He'll throw slip screens. He'll throw tunnel screens. He'll throw tear screens. He'll throw all kinds of screens at the Texans. That can give them issue. Because I know playing at home against the Packers, they're going to be just hell-bent going to get Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers is one of the best in ball handling and faking and letting you know 
Okay, this is going to be a roll-up. Nope, it's a screen. And away you go. The screen game can be very difficult to stop, especially when you are hell-bent on stopping a run game. And you are hell-bent on keeping Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. Because he's so good with his fakes, those screens can come on you and get on you so fast. And those linemen are pretty agile. The screen game is coming. Read your keys. When you recognize screen, plant, turn, sprint, and find the receiver. And number five, and I shouldn't even have to spend but 10 seconds saying this, but if the Texans don't tackle any better, the Packers will score 49 points on them in a half. You've got to tackle better. This team used to be one of the best tackling teams in the NFL. It is now one of the three worst And that's got to change on Sunday. Tackle better, way better. And I know people, well, it's easy to say that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I understand. However, if you get yourself in position, if you read your keys, if you have good base, good strike, and great hands to wrap up. You know how many times I saw second and third level defenders throw a shoulder into Derrick Henry the other day and thought he was going to go down? Numerous. Numerous. And it cost them badly. Badly. Johnu Smith, third down reception. He's 10 yards short of first down. There goes one linebacker with his shoulder. There's another linebacker with his shoulder. Johnu Smith breaks out, gets a first down. They score a touchdown on that drive. And it could have been stopped right there. Could have been three and out. Nope, turned into a touchdown. Tackling. Tackling. Tackle. Better. All right, let's talk about this Packers defense. It's average across the board, statistically speaking. Rushing yards, it's given up 116 a game on the ground. That's 15th in the league. Passing yards, 231.2 through the air. That's 14th in the league. Total yards allowed, 347.4. That's 14th in the league. And they've only generated three turnovers. Now, they're plus uh, plus one in turnover margin, but they haven't generated a lot of turnovers either. Texans now have four in the last two games. The Packers have three on the year. They have two interceptions and a fumble recovery. What are the keys to moving the ball against this Packers defense? Well, the first key is understanding that Big Z is a big problem. And Big Z is Adarius Smith. He's the leading sack artist for this Packers team. He will rush from every spot up and down the line of scrimmage. The Packers better find him and control him with one, two, three, four people. I don't care how many you got to put on him, but you got to keep 55 from making an impact in this game. Find where he lines up and then handle him. Now, one advantage, kind of, the Texans have is that they did go against him in training camp two years ago. In 2019, they did have a chance to see him, but he's gotten much, much, much better from there. So he'll come at you from a number of different angles and alignments and such. Find him, contain him, and make sure he's not getting to Deshaun Watson. Number two is Kenny, Kenny Clark. He just got back in the lineup last week against the Buccaneers, and he is the the Packers version of Brandon Williams, who we saw in week two. And Brandon Williams ate up our interior run game. Kenny Clark can do the same thing. Jeffrey Simmons is a little different player, but had a similar impact. Kenny Clark's a little bit shorter, a little bit more stout. Plays a little bit more like Geno Atkins. You've got to get leverage to and through him, knock him off the ball, and give the running backs room to run. If not, 97 is going to disrupt the inside all game long. Number three, use some up-tempo. Not just because I like it, but because the Packers didn't adapt to it against the Buccaneers last week. Tom Brady was up at the line of scrimmage very, very quickly last week. And he was successful. The Packers weren't lined up. 
I've seen that happen to the Packers before. It can happen again. Use some tempo to catch them off guard. Maybe steal an extra five yards because they've got 12 men on the field. Not on purpose this time. Use some up-tempo. Number four, let them decide, then destroy. Here's what I mean. The Packers are going to game plan throughout this week to take away one of the Texans receiving threats. Now, listening to Matt LaFleur talk about Will Fuller, I would imagine if he had anything to do with it, it would be Will Fuller. Then attack the other side, even if it's Jair Alexander. Because Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks can beat any man coverage the Packers throw at them, even Jair Alexander. Now, Alexander thinks he can cover anybody, anywhere, anytime. But if he's one-on-one coverage, you still can attack. But whoever the Packers decide to double or take away or try to take away, the other guy can have a big day. I don't care if it's Alexander or whomever covering. Let them decide, then destroy. And number five, Duke Johnson. Use Duke. I want to see Duke Johnson in this lineup a little bit more. He's a lot like Aaron Jones. He's quicker. He's shiftier. He can take advantage of maybe some smaller holes up inside that maybe David Johnson can't. Maybe David needs to play a little more receiver in this. Maybe you can use both backs together where we've seen the Texans do that a little bit this year. But use Duke Johnson. Try to capitalize on his quickness in between the tackles. That's the advantage that Duke provides over David. And I think the line is giving some slivers of hope. That's where I think maybe Duke can exploit it maybe a little bit better than David. Either way, you need a big game out of the two running backs. But hopefully, Duke Johnson will be a little bit more uh, part of the offense this week against the Packers. Okay, speaking of the state of Wisconsin, one of its most famous citizens will handle Drew's dozen, his 12 best questions ever, next. It's J.J. Watt on Texans All Access. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation helps power cleaner electricity, enables access to food, education, and healthcare, and connects us to those we love. Apache is committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. Here's the snap. Looking. Flips the ball. Diving for the pylon. And he's got it. Razzle dazzle. Touchdown, Houston. And the Texans go in front. Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out. The Texans say they have it, and they do. Now, it's Texans All Access. Before we kick off our second hour of this Friday edition of Texans All Access, I am calling out to all Houston area teachers. You want to bring a little Texans football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Now, a guy that we all know does math very, very well is Drew Doherty. He went to SMU, so he's slightly smart. A guy that knows math better than him 
is me, but that's just me picking on Drew. A guy that knows math better than either one of us is number 99, J.J. Watt. Well, the good news is Drew sat down with J.J. Watt and had a humdinger of an interview. We call it Drew's Dozen, where J.J. must sit and answer 12 of Drew's most inane and fun questions. And this is what it sounded like. Look who it is. It's J.J. Watt. J.J., you and I have never done this interview before. It's called Drew's Dozen. It's 12 questions. We've done weird ones before, but those have been different formats. So we're going to do this virtually. We're going to do it via Zoom. And we're going to start with this. If Chewbacca was on the Texans, what position would he play? Nose guard. Nose guard? Yeah. I'm a defensive guy, so I don't want him. He'd probably be an offensive tackle, but uh, I'm a defensive guy, so I'll take him at nose guard. You don't think he could go both ways, though? I mean, he's kind of bigger and stronger and all that other stuff. I think he'd get tired. He'd get a little too tired. I do think he would challenge you for the past deflections uh, record. So How tall is he? I think he was about eight feet tall, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. He probably would. Probably yeah. would. Okay. Rank the trios from one through five. The best to worst. The Watt brothers, the one. three Stooges, the three Amigos, Charlie's Angels, and the three Musketeers. We're one. Okay. Uh, three Amigos are two. Okay. Three Stooges. No, no. Charlie's Angels are two. Three Stooges are three. I know. I'm all over the place. Watt Brothers, one. Charlie's Angels, two. Three Amigos, three. Three Stooges, four. Three Musketeers, five. That's the correct ranking. Congratulations. Yep. Good job. First movie that ever gave you nightmares? The Ring. Really? I don't know. But that's the last. That's the one I can remember. Maybe yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's okay. up there. But, I mean, that one I was like, don't run into the house. Like, don't do stupid stuff. The Ring, that was more just like coming out of the TV. Anytime your TV went static after that, it was a bit touch and go. I'm going to have to see that one. I've never seen it. So, yeah. Mate, don't watch with your kids. No, I will not do that. Okay. Yeah, that's – I'm a good father. Uh, okay, you're stranded on an island. You have one meal a day provided. You have unlimited water provided, so you don't have to worry about food or water. What two things are you taking with you that you can bring? My wife. Good. Um, my dogs. Your wife and your dogs. I'm glad you asked me about your, or you brought up your dogs. I'm going to ask you about your dog. I'm glad you brought them up because how often have they interrupted a Zoom meeting? <laughs> um, a couple times, but I kind of figured it out after a while. But um, for the most part, they're all right. They've interrupted probably two or three. I don't, I don't leave the door open for that possibility unless I think it would be comical if they did interrupt and if the meeting was acceptable for that to happen. So you just put them in a different part of the house, basically? Yeah, yeah, they have their own area. That's good. But sometimes then they still bark and interrupt it. Yeah, that's the worst when they're... Yeah, got to make their voice heard, you know? Yeah, you've taken the precautions and they still get through. Okay, you win a game. The Texans win a game at noon at NRG Stadium. What's the perfect post-game meal later on in the day? It's a great question. Um, I, post-game, one of the things that I've always enjoyed having post-game is hibachi. 
I like having some like, you know, fried rice, steak, shrimp, uh, that whole deal. Uh, I also enjoy chocolate chip pancakes, um, breakfast tacos. Uh, I also sometimes enjoy burgers and pizza. Um, ice cream can sometimes make it in, milkshakes. Um, I've also enjoyed pancakes again. Uh, my wife makes a pizza, a homemade pizza that I really like. Um, sometimes I could order out. Um, so you mix it up. There's no set like menu or meal, huh? No, that was that was the menu. It's all you made all of that. Oh wow! Yeah, you're like a Belushi in Animal House, like walking through the cafeteria line. Like you get everything. Pretty much, yeah. Is there any Jello no. in there? No, no Jello. Um, takes so dismissive of Jello, geez, well, man. It takes too long to make. You got to do it the night before and then put it in the fridge. I don't got that kind of time. Do you? I don't, and that's that's probably why when I was a freshman in college, I ate Jello at every meal in the cafeteria. I love Jello. So that's a lot of sugar. Yeah, it's probably why I'm a type one diabetic now, huh? <laughs> it's true, man. Hey, uh, what <laughs> what football movie character? Would you want most want to add to this football team? Oh boy. What football movie character I most want to add to this football team? That is a great question, Drew. There's there really are a lot one. of different ways you could go with this answer. I think there's really only one answer. Oh. Who's your answer? What's the greatest linebacker of all, greatest, greatest college, greatest movie football character of all time, Bobby Boucher. And he's a middle linebacker. Oh. Oh, well, yeah, that would work. Yeah. Um, I would probably understand his play calls about as good as I understand DMAC when he makes the play calls. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, he'd be good. I mean, I don't know. what The first thing I thought of was Rudy, but that would literally be the worst addition. <laughs> Which, by the way, great job in that. That was a funny, funny scene in Saturday Night Live. That was really good Thank stuff. Like, I appreciate it. Yeah. Quite hard. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Let's go with Bobby Boucher. Your answer was good. Okay. I mean, there's got to be some other ones. I just I can't. There's, I keep thinking about, remember, the Titans? Maybe Julius Campbell. Yeah, he was good. But like again, he's a high school player. Sure, he's good in high school. I don't know if he's good for us. But yeah, he would be. Yeah, he'd be a Booby nice Miles, compliment. Get Booby Miles healthy. You know, get him, get his ACL repaired, and make sure he's healthy. Get him out of here. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. Okay. Moving on. What instrument do you wish you could play? Uh, the guitar. Yeah. The guitar. That would be cool. Sitting around a campfire, being able to strum out some tunes. Do you play any instruments? Do you know nope. any instruments? Nope. I tried to learn the guitar one time. My hands were too big and my patience was too short. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite Halloween costume growing up? What was it? Uh, the Red Power Ranger. I was a big Red Power Ranger kid. Uh, I did it two years in a row. I probably would have done it five in a row if my parents wouldn't have shut it down, thankfully. Um, but I was Red Power Ranger through and through. I think yeah, I my... switched to white one year which i don't even know if that was a real thing yours uh mine well gosh i don't know i i remember my lamest one i was uh luke skywalker like right after return of the jedi came out big star and, wars guy huh i mean i liked it but i didn't have like the cool one like 
all the kids that there were like four other Luke Skywalkers and they all had that green official lightsaber. And my mom like got this, it was like just a long plastic church candle, like white, incredibly, and a bathrobe. So anyways, uh, tried. she tried. Yeah. I mean, I like Star Wars. It's cool. What's uh, what's your Halloween costume going to be this year? Um, it's COVID, so I can't go anywhere. Just I'm zooming. Me and my wife in my house. Hey, <laughs> um, you can dress up. That's fun. It's going to be, I don't I'm not going to dress up like I see. What would it be? What would be a good Halloween costume this year? I don't know how long this show is, but I just keep thinking on every question, so we're making it even longer. Um, it's good. Thoughtful JJ Watt's a good JJ Watt. 2020 Halloween costume ideas. What's happened this year? Uh, there's there's some costumes you should stay away from. Uh, we won't talk about, obviously. <laughs> um, is there anything funny that's happened this year? Or anything comical, topical? The options are limitless. Man, this is a real dud of an answer here. I got nothing. Okay, let's move on to this. Favorite candy and most Ooh. overrated candy. Okay. And that's well, that. I am a big Reese's Peanut Bars Cup fan. I like Reese's Cups. Um, so they are near the top of my list. Refrigerated, right? No. You don't like them refrigerated? I, no. They're okay, but I don't, I don't like them refrigerated. Um, but I like, I'll give you the ca- candies I like and the candies I don't like. I'm not saying that it's wrong if you don't like these, it's fine. I like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I like Milky Way. Uh, I like Kit Kat. I like Twix. Um, I do not like Almond Joy. Um, Nobody do likes not, Almond Joy. No, I do not like whatever those pink and white things are. Green Green yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind do them. like Junior Mints. I do like Milk Duds if they don't get stuck to my teeth. Um, I do not like anything with nuts in it. I don't like anything, anything with nuts in it. Snickers bars? Snickers is on the edge. I, I, I like a Snickers. It's all right. Um, but I like anything with almonds in it it's like if you're gonna eat that it's not a candy bar stop yeah but uh Reese's is my number one I'm pretty sure well JJ it's always oh no 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 pause I take it all back okay rewind Carmelo Carmelo is my number one I like Carmelo bars my grandma gives me Carmelo bars every time I see her ever and I love them. They're delicious. I also like 100 Grand. Oh, yeah. Under, underrated candy bar. It is delicious. I also like a Take 5 bar. Underrated as well. Delicious. A little bit of salty pretzel, a little bit of caramel, chocolate, sweet, salty, savory, all together. Underrated, but delicious. 100 Grand, and it was also a part of one of the great office scenes of all times. Yes, it was. When he tosses it out in his who's presentation. Uh, what you call it? Who's he? What's he? That's a great scene. That's a really great, great scene. It really is. All right. There well, it's always professions that you can go into in this country. 
air, air transportation. That, that's such a good Michael Scott. Sorry, this is a disaster of a show. Man, uh, false, false. No, this is good. It's always good talking with you. Best of luck in the weeks to come. Thanks for spending some time with us, man. I hope you're doing great. All right, Jerry. See you later. Scott Stotts. <laughs> Henceforth, I will absolutely burst out laughing anytime I hear the words Scott's Tots from now on. <laughs> That's absolutely awesome stuff with J.J. Watt. Okay, the NFL continuing onward. Week 7 on Sunday. It started on Thursday. Then we got a game on Sunday. We got a game on Monday. I don't know. We might have a game, another game on Monday, another game on Tuesday. As it sits now, I'm going to predict all of them straight up and against the spread next right here on Texas All Access. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points, Saturday nights at 1030 or after the late local news on ABC 13. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And it's about time for my favorite segment of radio during the week. Whether it's Texans Monday, Texans All Access shows, Texans Replay, Extra Points, anything and everything that I do during the week. I love this segment I'm about to do because it essentially gives me an opportunity to talk about the entire NFL and then predict games and make you money. Now, that's not the sole goal to make you money. Uh, At least I'm not supposed to say that. But in some cases, maybe you've won money because of some game prediction that I've given to you. But that's what I love to do. I love to do predictions. It's kind of like a a constant battle with myself, kind of a game to see which ones I can get right, which ones I get wrong, why I get them right, why I get them wrong. And like I said last week, I think my percentage going into last week was like 95% right. Straight up and against the spread. It's probably gone up since then. I mean, it's probably better than that. So it's probably like 96 97%. I mean, I'm reaching a point where I'm almost perfect every single week. Uh, and if you believe that, then I've got some riverfront property for you to purchase. I'm just kidding. I don't think I've been that, uh, that good. I've gotten a few. I know that. I know that for sure. And I was one two-point conversion away from giving you two with the Texans and Titans last week as well, but didn't get that two and ended up losing. Anyways, uh, I'm not not bitter, not bitter at all. So, there was one game last night. <laughs> it was between the Eagles and the Giants. Boston Scott with the game-winning reception to give the Eagles a one-point win, 22-21. And what actually was a, a relatively entertaining game for two teams that are... I guess they're fighting it out for the NFC East lead. Those two and the Cowboys and the Redskins. I mean, it's just a putrid division. But either way, the Eagles get the win. I'm glad to see Carson Wentz have kind of a bounce back game. He played pretty well in that game against the Ravens, too. Didn't get a win in that one, even though he brought them all the way back. But he did get the win for the Eagles against the Giants, 22-21. to Now, I'm not totally sure what the spread was in that game. But it doesn't matter because it's over. And just know I would have given you the winners had I given that to you. So let's jump into our Sunday games. And keep in mind, these are Sunday games as of right now. It could change. I'll discuss the ones I think could change with some of the COVID uh, instances we're dealing with. The Silver and Black's been dealing with this week. And that is a game that's already moved. It could move again. 
we'll see. We'll discuss that when we get there. So let's start with our noon central games across the NFL. The Packers and Texans will be one of those. Green Bay is favored by three and a half. But, you know, I feel I do not pick against my heart and my head. uh, So I will not pick that one. But I will pick every other one. But before I do, I need my music, maestro. Give me my music. (laughs) Ha ha. There it is. Yes, it's faint, but it's right there, and it just helps me get through the segment. The Detroit Lions at 2-3 and three, travel down to the Dirty South to take on the Atlanta Falcons 1-5. and five. These teams have one-game winning streaks going. The Falcons at 2-3, and three, and the Falcons at 1-5. and five. The Falcons got their win last week housing the Minnesota Vikings, just trouncing the Vikings. Raheem Morris, as the interim coach of the Falcons, gets that win. The Lions went down to Duval County and took out the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville and Atlanta not too far apart. So the Falcons getting a visit this time from the Detroit Lions. Atlanta's favored by two and a half. And I'd much rather trust Matt Ryan and Julio Jones than I would the Detroit Lions. Detroit got a great performance from DeAndre Swift, but he always plays well in TIA Bank Stadium in Jacksonville. He always did that against the Gators, so he did it against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars the other day. If he can do it again, the Falcons could have some issue. I don't think it'll happen. I think the Falcons win. I think this is a relatively high-scoring game. I'm feeling like 37-31. to The Falcons will come out on top. Falcons favored by 2.5. They'll win, and they will cover. How about that? The Battle of Ohio. The Browns and Bengals. Two teams created by Paul Brown. The Browns are now 4-2. They got it handed to them on Sunday by the Pittsburgh Steelers. 38-7. Baker Mayfield was atrocious. That led to the second loss of the year for the Cleveland Browns. The Bengals, well, they lost again. They are 1-4-1 on the year. Although, Joey Burrow has been playing pretty well. But just unable to get... A, a string of wins going. Could have had one in that first one uh, against the, the Chargers. They had to settle for a tie in that week one. They played well at other times. The Bengals are an underdog at home. I don't think that's too surprising. The Browns are favored by three. That's probably about right. Considering what a mess the Browns were last week, I think they'll bounce back. I think Baker will bounce back, but I don't think it's one of those he's going to have a four or five touchdown day. I think he puts 21 to 24 up on the board. I think Joey B puts 20. This is a 21 to 20, 24, 23 kind of game. So I'm taking the Browns to win, but I do think the Bengals will get inside that three-point spread, either by making it a less than three-point win for the Browns or winning the game outright. I think the Browns will win outright. I think the Bengals will keep it within three points. Game of the day. Eh, I guess it's the game of the day. It's a game with two undefeated teams, and we have seen both of them. The Steelers taking on the Titans. One team, unbelievable offense. One team, unbelievable defense. One team's offense, pretty good. One team's defense, not so good. The unit that I think could change things in this game because it is not up to snuff of the other four units, of all the four units, offense, defense on both sides, is the Titans defense. 
the Texans did what it wanted all day long. Now, I do not think that Pittsburgh's got that kind of offensive firepower like the Texans do, but they've got plenty. And I don't think the Titans will stop the run game effectively. I don't think they'll stop Big Ben throwing. The Titans are favored by one and a half. I think the Steelers house them. I think the Steelers' defense eats up Ryan Tannehill. He makes and continues to make mistakes with that pressure. I think last week it was J.J. Watt. This week it's T.J. Watt. The Steelers jump all over the Titans on the road. Steelers win, go to 6-0. Titans fall from the ranks of the unbeaten. So obviously the Steelers, the win, will get the cover as well. The Panthers and the Saints. Two teams I think we're all still trying to figure out, man. Really trying to figure them out. The Panthers had a three-game winning streak, then lost last week. The Saints, they got it back together. After losing a few, they had lost to the Packers, didn't look good doing it. But then they get a win last week, the Saints do. They are a seven-point favorite at home. At home. And I like that. I like the fact the Saints are playing at home. I'm going to ride that. I think the Panthers, we're going to see them win a few more games this year. But this is not a 9-7 and seven team. This is more like a 6-10, 7-9 team. I think they're going to lose games to teams that, um, that are definitively more talented than they are. I think the Saints are that. I don't believe that we, we will see Michael Thomas in this game. We will not see Emmanuel Sanders, who was put on the COVID list. But I don't think it matters. I think the Saints come out of here with a win. Where it does matter is against the spread. I do think the Panthers will get inside that seven. So Saints win, Panthers cover. The Bills straight off two consecutive losses. One to the Titans, one to the Chiefs. Now, they have not lost to um, a couple of slappies. They've lost to two of the better teams in the league. The Jets are 0-6. That is the worst team in the league. Buffalo's favored by 10.5 on the road. I think they win this thing by three touchdowns. I don't even know what to expect from the Jets anymore other than the fact that it's not a good organization. It's not coached very well. It's not playing very well. Guys are banged up. I think the Bills blow out the Jets. This, this feels like it get to be 38-3. to Let's roll with that. That's more than 10.5. Bills win. Bills cover. The Cowboys, with Andy Dalton at quarterback, travel to Washington to take on the Washington football team. Dallas is favored by one on the road. And that's just because Washington really offensively can't get anything going. Dwayne Haskins was fined because he violated COVID-19 protocols. I don't think the Washington football team can trust him, but the Washington pass rush is one of the best in the league, and Dallas offensive line is putrid right now. And I don't know that Andy Dalton can trust it. I think the Cowboys eke out a win. Three-pointer at the end wins it. 17-14. That's more than one. Cowboys win. Cowboys cover. Then we go to your afternoon games. Now, this was supposed to be our Sunday night game. They have plenty of intrigue. Tom Brady with the Bucks going against John Gruden and the Raiders. Revisit the tuck rule on Sunday night, and it won't happen. Because the Raiders have been dealing with COVID-19 all week long. And the NFL did not want their Sunday night game potentially canceled. So they flexed out this game into an afternoon game on Fox and moved the Seahawks-Cardinals, a very intriguing NFC West battle, 
into the Sunday night matchup on NBC. We'll get to that one a little bit. But with the Bucks dominant last week against the formerly undefeated Green Bay Packers, 38-10. The Rodgers and the Packers put up 10 points to start and jumped out to a 10-0 lead. Then Tom Brady and the defense went to work. Jamel Dean took back a pick six. The defense got another pick. Tom Brady turned that into a touchdown, and the onslaught was on. 38-10, the Bucs moved to 4-2 on the year. The Raiders coming off that win over the Kansas City Chiefs. That's buoyed them. That's really kind of kept them going. They are now 3-2. In Las Vegas, Tampa Bay is favored by 4.5. And, and to me, that speaks to the impact of COVID, the offensive line. You don't know if everybody's going to play. It doesn't appear that Jonathan Abram, the uh, hard-hitting safety for the Raiders, is going to play. But if Henry Ruggs is in the lineup, the Raiders will keep this close. But the Bucs are going to get a win. The Bucs are going to find a way to win this thing. But I think the Raiders will get a cover. I think it, whether it's low scoring, high scoring, I think it's going to be a three-point game. So let's go Bucks to win Raiders to get inside that four and a half. Next afternoon game is in Denver, where the Broncos are two and three, fresh off an 18 to 12 win on the road at Gillette Stadium, where nary a touchdown was scored for the Broncos, that is, and still got the win. The Chiefs, uh, that won't be the case. The Chiefs score plenty of touchdowns, and they played on a Monday afternoon in the rain in Buffalo and put up 26 points on that Bills defense as the Chiefs move to 5-1. The Chiefs will move to 6-1. The spread here is 8. That feels a little bit much, but I just don't like anything the Broncos are doing. They can't score touchdowns. You know Mahomes is going to put the ball in the end zone. I think that's going to lead to a 10 to 14 point win at a minimum. Take the Chiefs to win and cover the spread against the Denver Broncos. Another Sunday afternoon game. Could have been intriguing. Uh, I mean, it still is. But it could have been even more if Tom Brady were still with the Patriots. However, it's the 49ers against the Patriots. Jimmy Garoppolo facing his former team. The former coach, Bill Belichick, who dealt him for just a second rounder. I don't know what happened there. The Patriots lost last week to the Denver Broncos at home. Only scored a touchdown on two of the field goals. It just looked disjointed. Cam looked out of sync. It looked like that team hadn't practiced, and they hadn't, really. And that caught up with them. 49ers are at 3-3. And Sunday is National Tight Ends Day. And I think this is the day that it... 49ers get George Kittle really rolling in 2020 because of National Tight Ends Day. I think George Kittle's going to have himself a big ball game. I think the 49ers go to Gillette Stadium and upset the Patriots. Patriots are a two-point favorite. I know the 49ers are not playing great football, but I just have a feeling going into Gillette, the Patriots are kind of out of kilter a little bit. I think this is the opportunity for the 49ers to get a win. And here's the thing. If the 49ers don't get this win, and they fall to three and four. They're quickly, quickly falling out of the NFC West race because of the Sunday night game. We'll get to that in just a second. But let's go 49ers to win on the road and upset the New England Patriots, the two-point favorite. All right, the last afternoon game on Sunday 
is between the Jaguars and the Chargers. And it feels like these two teams meet every year. They met last year. Phillip Rivers tore up the Jags in Duval County. This year, it'll be Justin Herbert doing that at SoFi Stadium. Jags defense, struggling. Chargers favored by 7.5. I think the Chargers will win this thing by 10. Give the Chargers the win and the cover at home as Justin Herbert takes another step in his development. Sunday night. This game moved to Sunday night. Flexed in there because of the uneasiness with which things were going in Las Vegas with the Raiders and COVID. So the Bucks and Raiders moved to the afternoon. The Seahawks and the Cardinals moved to Sunday night. Now, we saw the Cardinals on Monday night go to Dallas and pound the Cowboys. It's a pretty good football team, and they're 4-2 as a result. The Seahawks, 5-0 and because Russell Wilson will not stop. This is a tremendous game on Sunday night. I think, though, the Cardinals are still just a little bit behind the Seahawks in this. The Cardinals will put up some points. The Seahawks' defense isn't great, but the Seahawks will put up much more. Let's go Seahawks 39, Cardinals 34. That's a win, and it's a cover on the road at Arizona. And Monday night, ooh, Bears-Rams. Rams 4-2, Bears 5-1. Somehow the Bears are finding a way to win games they have no business winning at 5-1, I just don't believe the Bears are that good. At 4-2, I think the Rams are right where they need to be. But in that NFC West, the Rams must, must keep pace. You're going to either have the Cardinals at 5-2 and, and the Seahawks at 5-1, or the Seahawks will be at 6-0 and, and the Cardinals at 4-3. and three. You can move into second place all by your lonesome with a little help from the Seahawks. But the Rams have got to get a win at home at SoFi. I think they'll do it. Jared Goff, I think, bounces back. When he has seen the Bears before, The Bears flustered the you-know-what out of him. I think this week, Jared Goff is on track. He's on point. And the Rams knock off the Bears. They win this game 17-7. And that'll get you a cover. Six-point spread. So, there you go. A few teams on the bye that won't be playing. The Dolphins, they'll have Tua Tonga-Vailoa next week, so I'm excited to see what they do uh, and a few others. But there is your week in the NFL. Okay, we got one segment left. So it's time for Drew's final word. And this week, it's with that man, Titus Howard. Let's hear from the big fella next. And do some Texans audio jukebox as well to finish up the show. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points, Saturday nights at 1030 or after the late local news on ABC 13. We got one final segment this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And we are less than 48 hours away from Texans v. Packers. It hasn't happened in four years. If you remember that 2016 battle, that was up in Green Bay in the snow at Lambeau. Unfortunately, Texans lost 21-13. to A Jordy Nelson touchdown was the big one in that one. The last time... The Packers were at NRG. Aaron Rodgers threw six touchdowns on Sunday night football, and it was a blowout. The Texans only lost one game in that run of, like, what, 11, 10, 11 games? And that one was to the Packers. And I remember that being on Sunday night. 
So excited to watch. Oh, this is going to be awesome. Oh, and Aaron Rodgers just went to work. Holy smokes. Jordy Nelson had a big night that night. I mean, it was brutal. Last time the Texans beat the Packers was 2008. As they beat the Packers up there at Lambeau. Last second, Chris Brown field goal, I believe, won at 24 to 21. So I'm hoping it comes down to a field goal and Kaimi Fairbairn will knock that home and the Texans will win 47 to 3. That would be kind of nice. I mean, it would be nice if Kaimi had a field goal in a 47 to 3 game. But I don't think it's going to come down to that. I think it's going to be a 60-minute down to the last play as it has been the last few weeks for the Texans. It's going to be one of those kind of games. But hopefully the Texans will get one to go their way. Okay, in our final segment, it's time for Drew's final word. I give him the final word of the week. This week, it is Titus Howard. Drew, take it away. Titus, it's always good to talk with you. The Green Bay Packers come to town, and before we get into that matchup, the offense has been moving the ball pretty darn well the last few weeks. How do you keep that going, and what's been different? Just continue, you know, to play hard. You know, we got to establish what type of game is going to be up front. We got D4. He's always going to make plays. You got great receivers like Will, Kenny, Cobb, Cooks. You know, those guys, you know, always going to make plays. We got David and Duke in the backfield, you know. So we establish what type of offense we can be, you know, each and every week. We start, you know, early, you know, start faster, you know, just play the football where we know we can play. We should be good. And with that all in mind, as an offensive line, what do you think you guys have done well? And what are you guys still looking to maybe get a little bit better at? These past couple weeks, I think we got better, you know, as far as pass protection, giving, you know, D4 more time to, you know, find open guys. You know, I just feel like we just getting better each week. Our bond is getting better. You know, our chemistry is continuing to grow. I feel every week, you know, we can always continue to get better in the past, but also I feel like we need to get better in the run game so we can get David and Duke going. Hey, on an individual level, you miss most of the end of last season from about late November on, and you come back, and it looks like, just as an outside observer, each week you have steadily gotten better, and, boy, you kept the likes of Jadeveon Clowney from wrecking the game last week. How are you doing? How has this whole return been for you coming back? It's been, it's been pretty good. Uh, my goal, like, each, like I said, each week, it's just look and see what I did that, that following week and to get better on that thing the next week. So uh, each week, you know, I'm, I'm only continuing to, you know, get better. That's my goal, to be the best tight as I can be for the team. And I think as this season go along, you know, after working, you know, doing extra you know, work after practice with Laramie and the rest of the O-line and uh, Coach Devlin, you know, I think that they helped me a lot as a player, you know, because I missed those games. And that helped me get that experience this, this season, early on in the season, see what type of player I want to be. Yeah, you and I have talked about how you lean on Laramie Tunsil. How much of a coach is he, in a way, as a teammate? Oh, man, he's, he's amazing. Him, Zach, Nick, all the older guys, you know, they, you know, even Greg Mance, you know, they, you know, you can look up to those guys because they play a lot of football. And just because me and Laramie play the same position where he play left and I play right, you know, I kind of watch everything he does to try to see can I, you know, do the same thing or just do it in my own way. But he gave me tips each game, each week on how to become a better player and, you know, see what he had, see what type of season he's having. I'm just only continuing to get better. All right, tell us about this Packers front seven. When you look at them on tape, what do you see? What are the challenges there? Man, I just see a lot of guys who like to get out of the quarterback. You got Zadarius Smith, you got Preston Smith, you got Sean Gary, you got Kenny Clark coming out, out of the middle. For us, I feel like this game is going to be won in the front seven. So I feel like we can go up. And we can do what we got to do to block those guys and get a shot at a time. He's going to make the play. 
our receivers we got, they're going to make the play. So, you know, we got to win the one-on-one battles up front because they're going to give you a lot of one-on-one battles. They do a lot of games. They do a lot of different types of stuff. But that's a great team, you know, we're playing. And we're looking forward to it. We got a home game to come out with a win. You know, as a rookie, you and the Texans practiced up in Green Bay for a few days before you played them in that preseason game. Are you able to take anything away from that and apply it to the game coming up on Sunday? Or is it just simply a long time ago and a different team? Where, where does it stand in that regard? No, you can, you can take a lot from that. I can see from my one-on-one reps I took up there what type of moves those guys use. Because not guys just not all of a sudden going to change, like, what type of passwords moves they got. I got a couple of reps going against Zadarius last year. I went a lot against Rashawn Gary a lot in the preseason game when I was playing left tackle. But with some of the blitzes they run, you can pick up a lot of stuff from when we played them in the preseason last year and we had that whole joint practice. So I feel like that joint practice would be pretty useful. All right, last thing. It's color rush uniforms you guys get to wear on Sunday against the Packers. Do you and the rest of the big guys up front like the slimming look? I mean, what are y'all's thoughts on those unis? I actually think those unions are pretty, 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 pretty fire. They're nice, man. I, I love the whole color rush thing. I wish like you could do color rush every week. Like the color rush uniforms are, are nice, and I feel like it gave the NFL like something like a different feel. Like as in the high college, get all the different color jerseys and stuff like that. And it just made it, you know, so you can swag up a little bit more. All right, Titus Howard says they're fire. Are you listening, Texans marketing department? Titus, best of luck to you on Sunday. Knock them dead. And hope to see you again very, very soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. And there you go. Some great stuff from Texans right tackle Titus Howard, who I think over the last couple of weeks, we've seen Titus start to really kind of come into his own. The first couple of games, boy, you could really tell that he was struggling a little bit coming off that knee injury. And look, he's facing Frank Clark in the opener. Second week, it was Calais, it was Judon, it was Ferguson, it was all kinds of guys coming off the edge. And then week three, it was, uh, yeah, travel to Pittsburgh and take on Bud Dupree and a lot of TJ Watt. I have to be careful because I always say TJ, JJ, they're both tremendous rushers. But TJ, he had to face in week three. Um, and then in week four against Minnesota, had a piece of Yannick Ngakwe, but it was in that game against Minnesota where I felt like, okay, he's moving a little bit better. You're starting to see that movement a little bit better. Like week one against Kansas City, a couple times where we're like, come on, Titus, let's, let's move. It just He just didn't have it. But you could definitely see it coming together for him the last few weeks, and that has been a massive, massive thing uh, for this organization to be able to give Deshaun Watson time to throw. If Deshaun has time to throw... He's got the receivers that get open against man coverage, against zone. If he has time to throw, he will light you up like a Christmas tree. It's as simple as that. The only thing in this ballgame is can the Texans defense play with enough technique, play with enough discipline to be able to slow down the Packers. Now, Aaron Jones, I would imagine he's going to play, but he's going to have a calf injury, so he's going to be slowed at least a little bit. But I don't think David Bakhtiari is going to play. He's doubtful. And if he's out, these edge rushers have got to take advantage. And not just rushing to get to Aaron Rodgers. I'm talking playing the run, too. This defense against the run has been abysmal. But it's not because they're just getting overwhelmed by more talent on the other side. They're getting overwhelmed because they're not doing their job. They're not playing with discipline. They're not being, uh, they're not using gap integrity. And they're getting hammered as a result. I mean, if you think about it, 
if you take away the big run air Derrick Henry had, he ends up the other day with about 130 yards. I mean, that's a good day, but it's not a Derrick Henry type day. And I guarantee you the Titans don't win that game. The Texans win that game. But the Texans just jumped out of the wrong gap. Actually, they jumped out of the right gap into the wrong gap. They didn't see things properly. And Derrick Henry's off to the races. Now, first and foremost, the tackling's got to be better. But if they tackle better, and they're going to have to because all running backs that the Packers have, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon, they're all either whip it quick or they're a house and a very fast-moving house at that. So the Texans are going to have their hands full defensively, but that's the key. If the Texans give, uh, they give Deshaun Watson time and they protect against Zadarius Smith, that's the biggest guy to protect against, then Mike Pettin's going to have to roll the dice defensive coordinator of the Packers because he cannot allow Deshaun Watson to sit back in the pocket and pick his secondary apart. And if Kevin King, who is also doubtful, at corner, then they're in a world of hurt. If he's sitting back there just picking him apart with no King, potentially, no, no Darnell Savage, potentially, that secondary could get uh, it's beat up. And it could get taken advantage of with what the Texans are doing in the passing game. they got to be able to run the ball. And to be able to run the ball, I think that means a little bit more of Duke Johnson to be able to run the ball. But kickoff is at noon. We will have our pregame show on radio start at 9 with Sean Pendergast and Seth Payne. Texans Unlimited will, I think, start at about 11. You go to HoustonTexans.com for that. Radio pregame will start at about 11.40 with Mark, Andre, and myself. Then if you can't make it to the game and you got to watch it watch at home, it's on Fox, KRIV 26. Packers v. Texans. It's a big one. Texans on a bye week next week. It would be great to get a win over the Green Bay Packers heading into a bye week. Either way, Sunday's that day. Looking forward to it. We'll see you guys there. Have a great rest of the weekend. Thanks to everybody who was a part of this show, from D.P. Sidhu to Terrell Adams to Drew Doherty to J.J. Watt to Mark Vandermeer to Romeo Cronell. To Robert back in studio at Studio uh, Sports Radio 610, thank you so much. We will see you on Sunday. And as always, go Texans. You've been listening to Houston Texans football. Brought to you by Reliant Energy, Ford, Texas Lottery, Geico, and by Cushada. This is Texans Radio.